The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hood Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes an excellent newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Unfortunately, uh, for those of you who are not currently subscribers, Chen is not taking any new subscriptions now until January, the first few days, first 10 days actually of January 2013. If you think you might want to be a subscriber to Chen during that time frame, I would suggest you go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, put your name on the waiting list, and um, and then according to, depending on how much, uh, uh, how many people decide not to renew? There may be some. Uh, we expect there will be some room for new subscribers. So, if you're interested in subscribing uh, to Chen in the future, uh, put your name on that uh, waiting list again. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? Uh, it's the name of the newsletter. It's been a very successful. Um, uh, Chen is a very s- successful stock picker. Uh, he is uh, featured on this show from time to time. So, go to miningstocks.com. Put your name on the list. Uh, as far as my newsletter goes, I am taking subscriptions on a continuous basis. Uh, you can go to miningstocks.com to sign up for my letter as well, or you can call my assistant during the uh, during the normal work hours, Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, Claudio Bossi, or go to miningstocks.com. And as I like to remind you also, you can go to J. Taylor Media, that's J-A-Y, Taylor Media, dot com uh, to follow everything that I do. Uh, you can access this radio show most easily that way as well. Uh, but also some television appearances. Uh, the newsletter itself uh, can be accessed there through that uh, site as well as uh, Chen Lin's uh, information too. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, the handle there is J Taylor Media. We do want to thank each of you for listening to the show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And we also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. For the first hour of today's show, our sponsors are Airway Energy, Aura Vista Gold, 
Blue Sky Uranium, Bravada Gold, Brazil Resources, Dynacor Gold Mines, Eurasian Minerals, uh, Millrock Resources, Northern Free Gold, and Riverside Resources. I uh, might just mention that today we will be talking to Gene Martineau. He is the president and CEO of Dynacor Gold Mines. Dynacor is certainly one of my top picks. It is one of the uh, one of the companies, one of the stocks that I have mo- uh, a larger percentage of my own 401 401k allocated to. It is also a, um, a top pick in my newsletter, and uh, they are a sponsor to this show. But Gene Martineau will be with me uh, at about a quarter after three New York time uh, today to talk about Dynacor Gold Mines. The company is doing extremely well. They earned eight cents a share uh, this quarter. The earnings are growing very nicely on a very steady basis. And the real kicker to this company, the potential that I think could really make it a moonshot in a very short period of time, uh, is its Tumipampa exploration project. And we'll talk to uh, Jean Martineau about, about that as well as his plans to continually grow the production, the gold production of this company who's op- that is operating in Peru. Uh, just to, uh, Dynacor is today selling, uh, it's down a couple of pennies as most things are today. It's, uh, it's selling at about $1.19 at the present time. Might also like to highlight another uh, sponsor of this show that I think is exceptionally undervalued in my view and one that I also own a fair amount, have allocated a fair amount to, and that's Bravada Gold. It's selling at a mere five and a half cents today. That's in spite of the fact that their PEA uh, showed a net present value of $1.29 per share, uh, assuming uh, current gold and silver prices. Uh, it's not a slam dunk, but with a, a mining company, an operating company now coming into the picture, I think the probability of success has been greatly increased, uh, and that also is a kind of company I think could could very easily and we underscore the word could, there's no guarantees in this business, could uh, really result in major increases, uh, major appreciation. I might mention still another, not to be partial, but another one of our uh, sponsors that I am extremely uh, bullish on is Eurasian Minerals, and that stock was up last I checked today. Uh, close, uh, well, it didn't close yet. It's a $2.04 earlier up a penny, but um, that's a company that has got lots of cash on its balance sheet. It's got money coming in the door now from its royalties in Nevada, uh, and it is a company that has, uh, well, just has major potential uh, projects uh, with uh, projects with major potential uh, all around the world. And one that's recently picked up an interest in is a Russian gold uh, copper porphyry uh, story. Uh, that I think, um, well, they have a 20% interest uh, uh, in that project, and I think that is uh, something alone that could make this stock a, a big, big winner, but it has lots of potential all over the place, big major mining companies spending big bucks to earn or to find, earn into projects they expect or hope, uh, not expect, but hope will become major uh, deposits. So Eurasian Minerals is one that I like a lot as well. Uh, certainly there's others. Uh, in fact, I might just mention that um, as I look over the list here, each and every company that is a sponsor in my uh, radio show is also a current recommendation in my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now, um, I should mention, uh, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to tell you about a company I'm going to talk about this coming week in my newsletter. I'm not going to give you the name of this company because it wouldn't be fair to my subscribers who are paying me for their subscriptions. But I'm just going to tell you a little bit about this company. The company is selling at about 13 and a half cents. There's 80 million shares outstanding, giving it a 10, 
you know, a little under $11 million market cap. This is a company uh, that is employing field-tested proprietary technology to help find gas pipeline leaks in gas and oil pipelines. Now, this is, uh, it may sound sort of mundane as uh, something that's not all that interesting, but in fact, this is a huge and growing problem uh, in North America and around the world. Why? Well, it turns out that a lot of these pipelines are 40 and 50 years old, and they're starting to uh, they're starting to break down. We're seeing increasing amounts of uh, oil and gas leaks all around the world. Now, it's supposedly about 2% of North American natural gas is being lost through leaks. So imagine if you have a technology that can quickly and inexpensively and thoroughly find these leaks, uh, preventing major losses, not only losses of the gas and the oil, but also uh, avoiding huge penalties that are, and fines that are charged by regulatory authorities uh, and also um, uh, avoiding the cost uh, environmental issues that, that might arise from those uh, from those leaks. Uh, so this is a, a company that I think has huge upside potential. There's something like 500 million kilometers of pipelines in uh, the United States. You could add another 100 million kilometers uh, in uh, in Canada. Uh, we've got five. Uh, I'm um, I'm sorry, 500,000 kilometers in the United States. Another 100,000 in Canada. Five million. Uh, kilometers globally, so it is. Uh, it is a huge market, and uh, it's a company that now has uh, the blessings of at least one major energy company that has started to use its uh, its uh, uh, its technology. So this is a company I'm going to be talking to my uh, to talking to my subscribers about this weekend. And of course, uh, you are invited to sign up for my newsletter. Go to miningstocks.com. And again. Uh, I will probably reveal the name of this company sometime in the future, perhaps as early as next week, but I do want my subscribers to know about it first. Well, uh, with respect to today's show, we've got some very, very interesting, I think, uh, directly applicable uh, people that have their thoughts, their ideas are directly applicable to your pocketbook. And, of course, many times in this show we talk theory, we talk philosophy, uh, but we also like to hit on the practical. So Roger Conrad is going to be joining me in a few minutes. Uh, Roger uh, will be. Uh, Roger has been on this show before, and uh, he talks about how you can find income-producing stocks. Uh, he's looking at things uh, such as uh, energy. Well, he's looking at companies that are in the energy, timber, in the metals business, uh, as well as, uh, of course, utilities uh, such as electric, cable, telephone, water utilities. Uh, I know that there's. Uh, as I mentioned, a timber stock that he follows, and he's looking for and has been very successful in finding high-yielding uh, stocks. Well, how does this pan out in an environment in which we could start to see a major increase in uh, in interest rates? Uh, if Treasury, if the Treasury market starts into a long-term bear market, how will these kinds of companies fare in that kind of an environment? Will we? Uh, you know, will we not see the underlying stock values erode considerably? Is that not a major risk? Uh, and, you know, what, what does Roger see for interest rates in general? And what are some of the best uh, sectors that you might go into uh, to protect yourself in the event that interest rates start to rise very dramatically? Uh, 
So Roger Conrad will be with me at about uh, 3.30 uh, New York time, and then uh, he'll be with me until uh, for the next uh, 45 minutes or so. And then later in the day, Gene Epstein, who writes the Economic Beat column for Barron's, will be with us, and he's going to come on to talk about his latest column, which he wrote last week in Barron's, and that's uh, titled Consensus Builds on, Fiscal, on the Fiscal Cliff, Kick the Can Down the Road. So it sounds like Gene thinks that we're going to have more of the same delay, and let's worry about the problems. Let's continue to party on. Let's have a great time. Let's let's issue more debt. In fact, Gene is suggesting that uh, rather than reducing the debt, in fact, taxes are going to rise so dramatically that, in fact, the government's going to have to increase the debt, increase the deficit. Well, the insanity continues, I would say. And finally, we're going to talk to Jeff Deist, uh, who is Ron Paul's chief of staff. He's going to join me at about a quarter till, or let's say he's going to be with me at about 4.30 today. He'll be with me till uh, about a quarter of five or so. We're going to talk to uh, to Jeff about uh, Ron Paul, what Ron Paul's plans are. I want to also ask him about something that I find very, very disturbing, and that is uh, the notion that Mr. Obama wants to confiscate our 401Ks. Uh, and uh, pension funds, in fact, socializing them. Just looking at something that I've read here, um, and some of the people in uh, Rebecca Davis here is a representative of the Liberal Pension Rights Center. Rebecca Davis testifies that the government needs to get involved in uh, because 401Ks and IRAs are unfair to poor people. Uh, She demanded the Obama administration set up a government-sponsored program administered by the PBGC, the Government's Pension Benefits Guarantee Corporation, she proclaimed that even private annuities are problematic. So, you know, those of us that have worked hard, saved our money, planned for retirement, well, I guess that's what we get. This is called socialism. Socialism, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, right. Well, okay, but that's what we got coming. If you are one that has worked hard and believed that somehow America provided you with the ability to enjoy the fruits of your labor, if somehow you believe that private property was your right, well, that may not be the case. We're going to talk to Jeff Deist about that at about 4.30. What does he see happening uh, on the horizon now? And we also want to catch up with him to find out what Ron Paul is doing, how we can uh, how we can follow Ron's uh, activities in the future, and also we're going to ask Jeff to comment a little bit on Ron Paul's farewell speech that he gave in Congress uh, a few weeks, or a couple of weeks back. I know that, in fact, Jeff had uh, had a hand in, in crafting that speech, I believe. If I'm, not, if I'm not wrong, we'll ask him about that as well. Well, we are going to have to go to our first breakdown a few, uh, in a few seconds here, uh, but don't go away because coming back, we're going to talk to the CEO of one of my favorite gold mining companies, uh, Jean Martineau is the president and CEO of Dynacor Gold Mines. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Mr. Martineau. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. 
Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Blue Sky Uranium is a leading pioneer in the exploration for uranium in the Patagonia region of Argentina. Their exploration success has attracted one of the world's largest multinational nuclear power companies to fully fund Blue Sky's exploration programs. Argentina is very focused on nuclear to provide for their energy needs, yet they do not currently produce the required uranium to feed the reactors. Blue Sky has opened up a new frontier for exploration for uranium in Argentina with an objective of supplying both domestic and international markets. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really, really pleased to have Gene Martineau with me. He's the president and CEO of one of our sponsors, namely Dynacor Gold Mines. And Dynacor trades on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol DYN, and you can buy it in the United States, as I have, under the symbol DNGDF. That's David Nancy uh, Girl David Frank. Uh, only 35.8 million shares outstanding. It's got a market cap of around $43 million, and it earned $2.78 million, nearly $2.8 million, or $0.08 cents a share in the third quarter of this last year. Welcome, Gene. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you very much. Good morning, uh, Jay. Well, it's a good morning out there where you are in Vancouver. We're, we're quite deep into the afternoon here in New York. You lucky guy in Vancouver, the most beautiful city in North America, I think. But anyway, let's get on with uh, Dynacor because you guys are having some tremendous success. Uh, eight cents a share uh, in the last quarter. Can you repeat that uh, this quarter? Well, I think so. Uh, this uh, this uh, quarter has been over our expectation uh, because of uh, new rules uh, that came in uh, in, uh, in Peru in, uh, in April of this year. And now we have access to uh, more uh, producers with a much higher grade. And we were uh, a little bit surprised to get uh, so good uh, ore there. So we've got a very, very good uh, Q3. And we expect Q4 will be probably around the same than Q3. Uh Uh-huh. So now how many ounces of gold will you produce this year? Well, our target, uh, as you know, was uh, put in January at 50,000 ounces of gold. Yeah. And uh, we've got a, fr- a very fr- a good uh, first quarter. And after the second quarter, which was a little bit lower because we had to stop uh, buying for 15, uh, 15 days, uh, at, the, uh, at mid the year, this year we were 25-something. But with the third quarter, we already uh, 
at uh, the 42,000 mm-hmm. uh, 40, 40, uh, 42, ounces. So we expect to be uh, finally pretty close to 60,000 ounces of gold for this year. Maybe 59, something like this, because we expect, as I said, a, a, third, a, first, a fourth quarter, the same more or less than the third. So we're going to be uh, quite over our, uh, our budget uh, uh, for this year. Well, Gene, this is one of the things that I appreciate about your company, uh, your management of that company, and that is your uh, consistency in under-promising and over-delivering. Now, I know uh, you're always cautious about taking too much, uh, uh, too much uh, uh, credit for things, but uh, and I know that this is another thing that I like about you is that you're not out there, uh, you know, pounding your chest saying how great I am, but you basically work extremely hard you keep your sort of a low profile you just work hard and you've done you've uh, formed a great relationship with the peruvian people over the last number of years you've been there since 1996 i believe haven't you been yes yes i've been there we began uh, in 1996 in peru exactly and now uh one of the things that i noticed uh, so 60,000 ounces this year what are you expecting you may be able to do next year well, uh, we are actually uh, producing a 200, uh, processing a 220 ton per day. So on an annual basis, it was planned at 50,000 ounces of gold. Now with the new rules in Peru, we're going to be close to 60. Next year, we expect to, uh, we, we're going to build a new mill of 300 ton per day. We expect to begin this, uh, this operation by mid 2013. So for next year, the target will be probably around 67, 68,000 ounces of gold. And at 300 ton per day, uh, on a four-year basis, we should uh, produce about 75,000 ounces of gold. But uh, actually, we, we, we can't buy everything which is offered to us. So at 300 ton per day, if I have a mill tomorrow at 300 uh, ton per day, uh, it's going to be running full capacity. So next year in the second half, uh, I don't know where exactly we're going to be, but we're going to be at least at 300 ton per day, maybe a little bit over that, because we'll be able to operate for a little while, at least the two mills there. So 300 ton per day for the second half of 2013 is a minimum there. So I'm quite comfortable to say that next year we should produce at least 67, 68. And working hard, we expect to, uh, we, uh, we hope to process a little bit more than that. Uh-huh. Now you mentioned, Gene, that you can't uh, process all the ore that you can purchase. And I should perhaps back up for the benefit of listeners that may not be familiar with your story. Your operation in Peru at this time is not a mining operation per se. What you do is you process ore from licensed mining operations, small operations around Peru. And I understand that, in fact, uh, when the government clamped down on some illegal operations, the use of of, um, of some substances that are not healthy for the environment. In fact, that may have benefited you. Did that uh, result in you having more ore than you can handle? At that, as a it's, result it's of exactly, that, it's exactly what it is. Because uh, effectively, we don't produce actually. We we're more an exploration company with a mill where we process ore that we buy in the market, and uh, part of that ore was processed in uh, in uh, in illegal uh, operation in the past using mercury for example mm-hmm. and the actual government just claimed down on that so we have access to much more uh, much more ore actually and uh, with higher grade because the highest grade was going to these uh, mercury operation uh, operation with mercury in the past and so that's why our grade is much higher 
and uh, there is a lot, a lot available in the market actually. So that's why we want to uh, to build that mill as fast as possible. So we expect to be in operation with this mill by mid 2013 now. Yeah, and so you may be keeping the the older mill in production for a little while longer. Well, let's say that we start a mill in July at uh, 300 ton per day. And we may, uh, buy, uh, 350 or 400 ton per day. Uh, we will still have this mill with a fully licensed. Uh, we, uh, we can't operate that mill for many, many years again because uh, we're gonna have problem for tailing pounds in the future, but we may, uh, run this mill for another year or two years without any problem. So we're gonna have, uh, like, uh, 520 ton per day, uh, uh, operational capacity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't say that we're gonna go to 500 ton. It's a, it's a little bit, uh, I think uh, optimistic, but uh, it's quite possible that we can buy uh, more than 300 ton per day. Actually, we're evaluating this market, and I know that uh, today we could buy more than what we buy, actually, and so we could uh, we could process easily 300 ton per day. How many more than that? I don't know, but it's quite it's quite possible. We'll yeah. see uh, we'll see in the coming months. Would you have the capability of uh, of expanding that newer mill beyond 300 tons per day if you had a need to do so? Well, it's it has been designed for that. In fact, we're going to build a new mill with three ball mill of 150 ton per day uh, capacity each one, and this mill has been uh, designed and will be built to be able to duplicate that production. So uh, by the end of uh, of the day when it's going to be fully implemented, we should have four uh, a ball mill. At four, or at 150 ton per day each one. So it's going to be a full capacity of 600 ton per day. When we're going to be there, this is something that we have to evaluate. But by mid next year, we're going to be at 300 ton per day and possibly add a third mill, uh, by in the second half of 2013. So we may be at 450 already, uh, by the end of next year, beginning of the following year. And at 300 ton per day, we're going to produce about 75,000 ounces of gold per year. And at 450, it's going to be uh, around 100,000 ounces of gold per year. And then when you look at the margin here, the uh, uh, the uh, the margin is about $300 per ounce. Actually, uh, we use uh, usually 250, but it's increasing with the production and the and the grade. So now we're getting a pretty good uh, margin there. So at 100,000 uh, ounce per year, do the maths, and uh, it's, it's going to be uh, quite a good, uh, a good earning per share. As yeah. you, uh, you saw, the last quarter was eight cents per share. Uh, if we do the same in the, in the fourth quarter, we're going to be at uh, 22 to 24 cents per share for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you multiply that by, uh, if you double that, 220 to 450, for example, well, do the maths, and it's, uh, it's quite interesting numbers here. Yes, it is. In fact, it's pretty easy numbers. If you do 100,000 ounces uh, with a $250 uh, per ounce margin, uh, well, that's $25 million, as you say. Or, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Pretty good numbers. And, and here's the point that I'd like to, stri- to really hammer home to people. One of the reasons that I like your company so much, Gene, is that you avoid dilution. You are growing organically. You're not going out and offering brokers a bunch of cheap stock to, to raise some capital. Uh, you have been growing your company slowly but surely, methodically, cash flow positive, building up. And that leads me then to what I think uh, is possibly the real blue sky story, uh, and that is your Tumi Pampa pro, uh, project. Now, at Tumi Pampa, tell our listeners about, you, you also have... I think a gold resource there. It's not a 43101 resource. Is that right? Well, we have some historical resources there. 
uh, it's called historical today because we, we need to do more uh, drilling there, but uh, there was about uh, over 200, 250,000 ounces of gold uh, historical there. So we have to, to verify there, do a more uh, drilling, but we uncovered uh, 15 gold veins there on the property, high-grade gold veins. The main one is the Manto Dorado, which is on a surface of 6.8 meters uh, wide with a uh, a uh, grade of uh, about six, uh, five to six gram per ton. So what we are going to do, we're going to, uh, to begin the exploration there on the two, uh, two phase. First is going to be a cross cut through the Manto Dorado to go underground, have access underground to the Manto, to this mineralization, do some metallurgical tests, sampling, and we'll do after that uh, underground drilling in this to confirm these historical resources and continue this cross cut through the Rosa vein, which is the main vein after the Manto Dorado. And as I said, we have uh, we have identified up to 15 veins today on this property. So with this cross cut, we expect to cross other underground un uh, uncovered uh, veins there. So it's going to be first part, and the second part will be to uh, to drill the the scar and the copper gold scar that we identified on the property, which is a scar of 4.2 kilometers long by 1.5 kilometers wide. And two years ago, we did uh, drilling there. Last year, we did uh, last year two, drill, two years ago, we did uh, uh, like seven holes on the four targets of this uh, of this uh, scar, and we did last summer uh, geophysical study. And we identified that the fourth target is the the major one. So this year we're going to begin with eight drill holes directly on this target number four, and from there we'll see uh, we'll see what we have there and continue uh, uh, after this. We should uh, begin the drilling uh, pretty soon, and we're going to begin with uh, two machines because we're late in the in the in this process now. So we're going to begin with two drilling machines and one cross cut there. So we're going to be quite busy in a, in, a, in the coming months. And in the meantime, to be sure that we have access to the property 12 months a year, because there is a raining season going through uh, from January to April, we built a, a second road coming from the, the, east, uh, the eastern part of the property. So we're going to have access with two roads, and the second road is much better. So we're going to have access uh, 12 months a year. So once we begin drilling, uh, the chances are that we won't stop there. Gene, you mentioned that you're not a mining comp you're not mining per se now. You're processing ore and making a lot of money with that. Do you expect then uh, to be a, a mining company as well at Tumipampa? That is uh, for the gold mine uh, for the gold that's there. Well, it's it's our uh, objective here. I always said that we are an exploration company, but our goal on the on the medium term is to to be a producer. So in Tumipampa, with these gold veins on the southern part of the property, it's something that uh, we expect to put in production and uh, as soon as possible. That's why we go already with uh, underground crosscut there to prepare for future production there. So it's something that we we plan. We're gonna define resources uh, hopefully by the end of next year. And there we're going to be able to see when we could begin uh, some production there. But it's exactly what we want to do. On the scarn, we're going to have to drill there for several years because a scarn like this will need several hundred thousand uh, uh, meters of drilling. Mm-hmm. But for the, the veins, it's something that we can uh, go in production uh, quite quite fast. It may be in a couple of years from now we, we can start uh, an operation there. And it's exactly what we want to do. Uh, the, this ore processing operation... 
was just something on a short-term basis to generate the cash to uh, to do the exploration and not dilute the company. But once we are in production there, uh, we uh, well, we gonna the margin will be much higher. This all processing something that we can continue in the future. But at the beginning, it was to generate the cash to avoid this continuous dilution that almost all the exploration company experience. And uh, you know, you know what it is. You end up after some years with uh, 100 or 200 million shares, and uh, you don't have yeah. much in front of you. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the reasons that I've, I've really enjoyed what you're doing there. Now, one last question. We do have to go now because our time is up. But I, uh, with respect to Tumi Pomp, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about that area. You have What are some of the other major projects that are around there? I mean, there's some really – you're in elephant country there, potentially. And, and if you find something really big there – Gene, I think it's probably something that a major is going to have to put into production, right? Well, there, uh, sure, this, this kind of scorn, if it's uh, what we hope, maybe like if it's something like 500 million uh, tons, it's, these are huge projects, and you need billions of dollars to put it in production. So there we're going to always sell it, or we're going to need a, a, a big partner to, to, to put it in production. So there there is a... There are several uh, options that we can uh, we can sell it. We can keep a, a, a percentage in that a royalty. We're gonna have to sit down and see uh, what we can do with this. But what we want to do, it's put it in production. The scarn and the veins. The scarn, as uh, you said, will probably need uh, help there. We can uh, just uh, sell with a uh, with a bigger uh, company and uh, and start it too. Very good. Thank you, Gene. We are out of time. People can follow your work at Dynacore. Is it what's your website? Well, it's uh, dynacore.com. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Everything is there. And on the stock exchange, DNG, uh, on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Right. And it can be purchased down in the United States as well under the symbol DNGDF. Exactly. Thank you very much, Gene, for being with us today and for updating us on your company. It is an exciting story, to be sure. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Roger Conrad. He has an excellent track record in picking stocks that provide high yields. And you're not going to want to miss that, I think, because, uh, well, everybody needs cash flow these days. It's getting tougher and tougher to come by. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Roger Conrad. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Ladies and gentlemen, the reality is that exploration for mineral deposits is risky business, though the rewards for shareholders can be enormous. At Millrock Resources, we don't believe in risking your investment on a treasure hunt. We believe in leveraging shareholder capital to generate projects and partnering with mining giants such as Kinross, Ballet, Inmet, and Tech to fund our exploration in the mining-friendly states of Alaska and Arizona. By utilizing this business model, Millrock Resources increases the potential of finding economic gold and copper deposits and maximizing shareholder wealth. For more information, Please visit us at www.millrockresources.com or find us on the TSX Venture under MRO. I've recently recommended Northern Free Gold to my subscribers because its nearly 6 million gold equivalent ounce resource can lead to a major rise in its share price. The company's Yukon project is in a politically safe jurisdiction far from population centers and it is advantaged with road access and nearby electricity. A large deposit and a vision of positive economics should make Northern Free Gold an acquisition target. The potential upside in my view for these shares is major. 
Our Vista Gold Corporation's principal asset is the Dewey Project, which currently has a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 3 million ounces of gold and is considered to be one of the last undeveloped, low-grade, bulk tonnage potential super pits in Quebec. The Dewey Project has significant potential to further grow the resource by both step-out drilling as well as further infill drilling within the existing porphyry. Our Vista has a well-designed, extensive 35,000-meter 100-hole drill program planned for Q4 2012, with results expected in early 2013 and an updated resource estimate to follow. Arvista Gold trades on the TSXV under the symbol AVA. For further details, please visit www.arvistagold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me again, I think for the third or fourth time, Roger Conrad. He is uh, editor of Canadian Edge. That's an Internet-based service uh, directed at U.S. investors that tracks more than 130 high-yield Canadian equities, and I might add that I am a subscriber to that publication. Uh, he's also uh, editor and utility. Uh, he's also the editor of Utility Forecaster, uh, the leading U.S. advisory on essential service uh, stocks, bonds, and preferred stocks, uh, cited for editorial excellence six times by the uh, Newsletter and Electronic Publishers Association. Uh, he is an associate editor of Personal Finance, chief strategist of Portfolio 2020, and co-editor of MLP Profits. He is the author of Power Hungry, Strategic invest in, Investing in com- Telecommunications, Utilities, and Other Essential Services. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to subscribe, and I recommend that you do, uh, you should go to uh, a couple of different sites, www.ufweekly.com uh, and mapleleafmemo.com, mapleleafmemo.com, which focuses on Canadian trusts. Thank you, Roger, for coming on my show again. You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, you are really renowned for your work in providing income, investing ideas for your subscriber, but the thing that keeps me from jumping into this, uh, into this, into this sector more than I do, uh, is this notion that we may be nearing, um, the end of a long bull market in treasury yields. And, and certainly the treasury markets, uh, I mean, people have been forced out of the treasury. Well, a lot of people are buying treasuries yet. It's not me, I might add. But a lot of people uh, seem to be going to treasuries because of their perceived safety. Uh, now, what happens if the bull market in long-dated treasuries are over, as a growing number of people think? I mean, I'm reading. If I look at the Financial Times, I think it was yesterday, uh, titled A False Sense of Security. It says, amid market uncertainty, investors have flocked to the perceived refuge of bonds, but fears are rising that their faith in fixed income has been ill-placed. Uh, and then in the, uh, in the text, it says, people out of fear are getting poor slowly. I'd like to dump a bucket of cold water on them and say, think about it. 
well, let's think about it. What happens to, uh, to say, utility stocks that are giving 6 7 8% yields now if the Treasury markets turn around and we start seeing rising interest rates in long-dated Treasuries? Well, I think you're really talking about two different things here. I mean, you mentioned that uh, bond yields are very, very low, uh-huh. um, and, and that means uh, very low borrowing rates for companies. So you've uh-huh. seen a number of companies do a lot of you know, capital spending and, and be able to finance things at, at pretty good rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I think, you can tie to the, the Treasury, but also just to the fact that investors, like you said, um, you know, are, have, have sort of gravitated toward bonds. I think it's definitely a seller's market in bonds, and what I mean by that is that basically um, any company that's able to issue debt at this low level, in other words, sell, sell new bonds, has been mm-hmm. able to uh, slash interest costs, put uh, or basically eliminate refinancing risk and put in place financing needed to uh, to do whatever it, it, it wants to do. So that's been the case for last three and a half years. I think, though, I think it's uh, quite bullish though for for uh, stocks of of these companies, uh, mainly because again they've accumulated capital at pretty low rates, and so they're able to, uh, uh, to which I think you're going to be able to invest going forward. Um, meanwhile, they're sitting on a, a pretty nice. Uh, pile of cash. So um, while I, I would be very bearish on bonds, and particularly for the reasons you've stated, I think once we get past this fiscal cliff uh, and once there's a deal on the budget, we'll probably see a scenario unfold, uh, you know, in a, in a positive case, uh, po- uh, like, like we saw in, in 1993, 1994, in which uh, growth came on and start to rise again. So, um, you know, those are that that would be the uh, that 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 would be the bullish case for the economy, bearish for bonds. But I think stocks, it's really quite a different, somewhat of a different story because mm-hmm. um, you know again you have this this low cost capital and you're able to grow, and that's really why you buy stocks is to grow. And then from a technical standpoint, if you look at uh, the behavior of, of dividend paying stocks uh, across the board, whether you're talking about utilities or master limited partnerships or uh, or anything of that nature um, they've really broken the link with benchmark interest rates such as the 10 year over the past uh, 5 years um, really starting back in 2007 when we saw the end of the last uh, bull market and of course the the, the bear market come on um, tremendous rally in treasuries but you know uh, dividend paying stocks went the other direction they went with the market and that's pretty much been the story um, since then, so I I think you can I think we people tend to overstate the link between say utility stocks and interest mm-hmm. rates, um, but I would be, uh, be 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 quite concerned about uh, bonds. I think people have basically been buying funds that that have uh, been able to leverage and therefore offer uh, much higher yields than really exist. And I think when rates do start uh, start heading up, I think that's going to be an area of, of severe carnage. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I certainly would agree with you there. But on the other hand, uh, you know, one of the insights I think you've just passed along to our listeners is that this incredibly low Treasury yield rate is actually benefiting probably some of the companies that you were ask, asking your or suggesting your subscribers they invest in because utilities and a lot of these other companies are really capital-intensive companies, aren't they? And if they can go out and borrow, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars at very low rates, I guess that, that could really benefit the investors in those companies longer term. I think so. I think it's, a, you know, tremendously bullish. And I think, in fact, it's probably the most bullish uh, factor in the market today. And one reason why I don't think another 2008 is uh, really even possible, because you just don't have 
the degree of, of leverage, and you don't you don't have companies that really need to go out there and uh, and issue capital or, or borrow it, say if credit conditions should tighten. And uh, that was something that that really did a lot of companies in in 2008. But if you don't have to borrow when credit conditions tighten, you can just simply pull back uh, and wait until conditions improve. And we've seen that actually happen several times um, over the past four years, where uh, con- again, conditions have tightened, but but the fact that companies had been able to issue such low cost capital and and uh, and and take care of their refinancing needs, uh, they've just been able to pull back and then wait for better pricing. And the way that the, the demand has been for bond funds and the way these bond funds have to continue to uh, add new assets, um, it's um, uh, they really are forced to pay whatever the, the the going price is. There's a bond just to give you know, readers a, or, or listeners a. Um, uh, just a for instance, um, the company mm-hmm. that I really like, Enterprise Products Partners, they actually have debt that matures in the year 2068. Um, and right now, the, your annual return, if you buy that debt, at 2068, again, that's 56 years down the road, uh, 4.2%, not even 4.2%. So that's locking up your money for 56 years uh, at a rate that would have been unheard of even for 10-year for debt. Um, just a few years ago, so I think people are just really going crazy with the with the bonds. But again, I would separate out the stocks, and I think that this is a buying market for uh, you know for dividend paying stocks. I think we're um, and it's really the only game in town. Even if we do see higher uh, higher dividend tax rates next year, which I think we will see it's higher tax rates to some extent, but maybe not to what people fear. Yeah, higher. Uh, so that's Enterprise Partners Inc. What's a, what is a, a, the ticker on that? Do you have that? Well, the tickle on tick, uh, ticker on that is uh, EPD. So that's Edward Paul David. Um, it's one of the larger uh, MLPs. They have a great track record. Uh, they've been really able to uh, to go out and do any deal they want. They were founded by uh, Dan Duncan uh, some years back. He has since passed, but has uh, passed the uh, management of the company on to, in, to very capable hands, and uh, it, it's pulled back. It had gotten, I think, a little bit too expensive for people to buy uh, earlier this year, but you know, given the, uh, the the selling that we've seen, and there's been some concerns about new taxes on master limited partnerships as well, so um, it, it's pulled back in, in the face of that, but uh, I think now really a, a nice price for it. Yeah, I see. It's um, looking at it now at fifty-one dollars and twenty-seven cents, down a bit today. But uh, so its yield is about what? Yeah, yields a little bit over five percent. They're growing that about six percent a year. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we we talked about inflation and how fixed income loses ground. Um, the, the the advantage of having a dividend-paying stock that's able to grow uh, that dividend is that your you know, your your yield does keep up with inflation. So I. I, I agree with people for being, uh, you know, a little bit nervous about interest rates of inflation. We've had a really long run uh, with uh, with low rates, but we've had a lot of money come into the system to combat deflation. So history tells us that we're going to see interest rate interest rates rise eventually. But again, I feel pretty good about these stocks that are able to grow uh, distributions and and do have these very uh, locked in um, ways of doing so. Is Enterprise Partners a a pipeline company? Uh, pipelines, uh, par- processing, transportation, uh, you know, all sorts of different assets used in uh, getting energy from the, the wellhead to the uh, burner tip, if you will. Um, and they're mostly fee-based operations, meaning that uh, no matter what happens with energy prices, uh, they generate the same amount of uh, income from, the, from those assets. So it makes it a, a fundamentally different kind of investment from, say, 
uh, an, an energy producer, which uh, really lives and dies on on what happens with energy prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so your your view is: do you, do you think that we're going to see a turnaround in the treasury market anytime soon? The long dated well, treasury, because we've had this marvelous bull market in treasury yields. Well, really, I think you know the thing is, and sort of paradoxical, because you you think that treasury shouldn't be rallying when. We have these uh, fiscal uh, situ- problems in the United States and, you know, budget imbalances. But, you know, really the treasuries have become the market of last resort uh, for global capital. So anytime people start worrying about the world economy, they go into treasuries mm-hmm. um, almost at, you know, at a, well, at, a better, at a higher rate than they actually go into gold. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, 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 as long as people are worried about the fiscal cliff and, and these various problems, I think the treasuries are going to be a, be a fairly decent place to be. But I do think that, uh, you know, once we do get that, that settled, um, I think we're going to see a, a lot of, I think we, and I think we saw, uh, to, to a large extent, the economy start, areas of the economy start to come on last year, um, or, or the, earlier this year, rather. Um, and uh, I think those things will accelerate. You'll have, you know, once there's some sort of deal on the budget. So I'm, I'm optimistic on that. So that, that makes me, more pessimistic on treasuries, but I, I, again, I don't think we're going to see any kind of uh, correction in that market or, or serious pullback until we see more growth, and I don't think that's going to be possible unless there's some sort of uh, deal on the budget that doesn't really just knock the wind out of the economy. So you believe that we will get over this uh, fiscal cliff? I know that I'm going to have after you uh, coming on will be Gene Epstein, who writes uh, for Barron's, and he's he's suggesting that they won't solve the problem, they'll, they'll uh, Kick the can down the road, to use a worn-out phrase, uh, a bit longer, but uh, and that in fact we will increase our debt because we're something like a half a trillion dollars worth of taxes are going to be taken out of the economy, so they're going to have to increase the uh, the debt to try to offset that. And uh, so, what what are your views in terms of uh, this fiscal cliff? You're, I take it you're not a worrier with respect to that issue. Well, you know, I, 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 part of the reason is just because I focus on such conservative companies. And, you know, I, I'm definitely looking up and down the list here and seeing what companies would need to borrow uh-huh. um, in the next year, say if there was a t- severe tightening of credit conditions, which could happen if you, um, if you did uh, really knock the, you know, the growth out of the economy. I mean, I, I think that uh, politicians, um, you know, in, in politics and, and, and economics don't often mix. I think people's, any more than people's uh, political views necessarily provide a good model for running their portfolios. But uh, I do think politicians have, a, or at least most, at least there's a majority uh, that sees that their political survival is, is on the line here. And if they, uh, you know, should throw the United States into some kind of European cycle with, uh, you know, with all this austerity coming on at the same time, uh, then I think it's going to be very tough for them. So those are a couple of reasons to be optimistic. But definitely, I would, you know, I, I, I try to be very careful about the stocks that I own, and I want companies that, again, aren't going to be messed, are, have, have a degree of revenue reliability and also um, uh, don't have uh, severe borrowing needs uh, that they need to take care of in the next um, or at least by the end of next year, because you know, if, if uh, and because so, if, if if this does happen, you know, if we do go over the cliff, if we get all these spending cuts, we get all these tax increases, um, you know, you don't want to be uh, leveraged in that direction. But I don't think a lot of people are really. I think uh, this is the kind of market and businesses as well. I think people are kind of hunkered down. That's one reason, actually, I'm bullish because I think. Um, you, you know, when the, the problems that, that tend to break the economy and tend to break the market are the problems that no one's really 
paying much attention to. Right. And when you get something that everybody's focused on, it's usually not the thing that trips everything up. So, you know, again, I, I think, you know, from, from a position of, of security, and I, and I think uh, I feel pretty good about being on the high ground with the companies I own. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I also believe that they will uh, uh, resolve this thing just because of, um, uh, you know, the, the fact that, they're, that politicians usually are pretty good at figuring out how to survive. And uh, I, I think they're, they're definitely on the hot seat right now. Well, Roger, um, you know, a couple of promotional pieces that you send really really are geared, obviously, to catch the eye of people so they'll read further and, and read down the, the page. But I, one that really struck me recently, 12% yields, 148% gains, and zero taxes. And you wonder why Mitt, Mitt Romney is really paying even 15%. Now, I, I think that we put that in the context of, uh, you know, uh, that that was a headline grabber for sure, but what kind of yields are possible now? Well, you know, they're actually a, a, they've actually become uh, there, there. Actually, are some pretty attractive yields right now, particularly after the last couple of weeks, because people right. have been worried about the fiscal, you know, worried about a, um, you know, a a big drop in the economy, and also worried about dividend taxes. So, you know, you actually do have a number. There are actually a lot of uh, master limited partnerships or Canadian stocks. I like. I think it's good to invest in other countries because. Uh, you know, there's just diverse, you're diversifying your way out of the dollar. I think it's a better way to protect yourself in case uh, there should be a, a, a drop in the dollar. Would be to buy something, say, uh, in Canada that pays you dividends uh, in Canadian dollars. Uh, but um, you know, there there are a number of things out there yielding, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten percent that I and, and several that have actually recently increased uh, distribution. So that's it's kind of a rarity. I think you you, you do see it when the emotion level. Um, rises and the fear level rises, and uh, um, that's you know which um, you know which does ha- which, which is definitely the case now. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a, necessarily a, something that will uh, will last. Uh, you know, the last time we really had this kind of a, a, a where where we saw a lot of big, really huge high yields appear was um, back uh, right after the the uh, the deal on the um, on the uh, raising the debt ceiling last year mm-hmm. uh, set off a big selling wave in the market and uh you know the aftermath of that was a pretty titanic rally um so yeah. i you know i think that's the the best case obviously but i think there are a number of, of, of very interesting things out there where you don't really have to take a lot of risk a company called buckeye partners bpl mm-hmm. uh, that, that's bob uh paul larry um it's been uh kicked around quite a bit there was a a, a lot of worry earlier this year that they would be uh Having to reduce their distribution, but they turned in some really strong uh, third quarter earnings that showed that uh, acquisitions they'd been making had been paying off, and so they went from not covering the distribution to covering it by a pretty substantial margin. And now the the um, uh, expectation is they'll be raising um, distributions going forward. Same thing's true of a company called Energy Transfer Partners. That's another limited master limited partnership. And uh, we're waiting on them to. They've, they've done a lot of deals, and we're waiting on them to increase uh, distributions. And they also yield a little bit over eight percent. So um, uh, again, these are pretty compelling values, I think. Uh, um, and and uh, you don't really see them in a in a typical market, but I think now you have uh, people that. And and it, you know, there are a number of stocks that are still pretty expensive. I think people have uh, taken or investors in general have. Kind of fallen more in the love with more in love with the idea of momentum, following momentum than mm-hmm. uh, seeking value. And mm-hmm. uh, what I mean by that is, when a stock starts going up, people uh, assume that, that everything is safe with it, and that's the one they want to own. So um, you know, it, it, 
stocks that are going up tend to be bid up, whereas when you see a stock going this reaction in this market, and it goes back to 2008. I mean, I, I think it's, there are perfectly good reasons for it, but you know, they, they see a stock going down and just assume that, uh, you know, that the end is near and uh, um, they better get out at, at any price. So obviously stocks you know, don't necessarily, or companies don't, don't necessarily, uh, particularly big strong ones that are centered around assets, don't uh, go out of business very often. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of money has been made, real serious money has been made in the market over the long term by buying low and, and selling high, you know, more or less buying when, when there's blood in the streets in some cases. Uh, the reason that, uh, you know, these stocks get so cheap is that not, a, not a lot of people do it, and particularly when the fear level rises in the market. So I think definitely this is the time to be, you know, look with open eyes and, and you know, make up your own mind on stocks. Don't necessarily listen to a professional like me and, you know, just, uh, you know, take for people to go out and take a look. And, and uh, you know, if you can see where the revenue is coming from and, Looks like there's a pretty good chance that we'll uh, continue to, to flow, and and uh, then you know you, you can chances are you found yourself uh, quite a bargain. I don't, I I, I very much caution against uh, uh, think, uh, buying high yield investments where you can't really understand where the money's coming from. I think that's pretty much a disaster in any case. But uh, there are there's definitely a lot of value for those that will seek value and will believe their own eyes when they see it. Right. Well, we uh, we are just about out of time here. We've got to go to a break, and of course, we're going to have you back. I hope for another few minutes. I I, I think you've been talking a lot about pipelines and some of the companies that you're talking about, limited partnerships, anyway. Um, so I want to ask you more about partnerships and uh, you, you know legislation that was passed during Ronald Reagan's days. In fact, that are still in play, and really do allow people to be partners in companies and enjoy a tax advantage that uh, that you don't have with normal uh, stocks that you might own. So we are uh, going to go to break. I might ask you just the uh, Buckeye Partners. Is is that a pipeline? There, you know, it's pipelines, uh, other fee-based kind of assets, same sort of setup like Enterprise that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the symbol on, on Buckeye Partners again? That is BPL. It's Barry, Paul, Larry, um, and uh, uh, Trades New York. Okay, excellent. Well, we do have to go to break, and when we come back, uh, we'll be back with uh, Roger Conrad. So don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure, a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources. 
www.ChinaAmerisource.com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001.